just inter interject in here. Shout to all the parents. <laughs> okay. Regardless of your race, regardless of your cultural background, who have children, ha have a spouse, um, siblings, whatnot, who all have had to endure or experience this firsthand. Um, because I can imagine how tough it must be and having to understand the complexities around it sometimes because I know I know of some parents who have children who are who have depression. Mm -hmm. And one one friend of mine actually has a daughter who has depression and she said, I blame this on myself because mm -hmm. I had depression and it's a hereditary wow. thing. And I said, Man. So she lives with that every day, seeing her yeah. daughter kind of like be in this spiral of situation. So I can understand from another parent's perspective, like your dad, and maybe even my parents too, I, I can't say for sure, but that they look at that and go, but I gave you this, but how could you be, what do you mean, do you mean you're down, you're sad, <laughs> you know? Because their understanding, of, they equate happiness with the things that they give you. Yeah. Not realizing that it goes beyond that. It's for some in some instances, which it, again it does make you feel bad. Because if I was if I was you and my dad was telling me this, I'd be like, yeah, okay, and I just <laughs> wouldn't say anything anymore anymore. I just leave it at that and call it a day and say fine, you know. But um, it just shows that everybody has everyone directly or indirectly has had an experience with mental health, mental illness, you know, something to do regarding regarding this topic that either they want to say it, speak about it, they didn't want to speak about it, um, they didn't know how to go about things, they felt maybe like uh, vulnerable or they felt weak because they couldn't help their child. I can only imagine like your dad being being the person in your life that's like, go to daddy for anything. Yeah. And this, you can't go to him because he doesn't know what to do, you know? At some point, I, I remember I would go to my dad to ask him for math help. And then at some point I could not go to him anymore because the stuff that I was learning, he was like, I don't know, what, what is this? I don't know what this is, you know? And it's not that he's he's not he's not smart. It's just that he didn't know. It became another level for him. And that's just the way that it goes according to, you know, generational change. That's, that's the kind of experience we're having. So we can only imagine what's going to happen in the next 10 years, how things are going to play out uh, with that going forward. Um, so obviously you had to find a way to bridge the gap, you and your parents, your friends, other persons as well, once you notify them of uh, your situation. So now you've been putting the work in, okay? Where and when did that start? Uh, how actually did that start? What was the aha moment for you? In terms of uh, like connecting with others and telling my friends or- Exactly, or exactly, yeah. Um, I think it was, it might've been during my year off after high school. Mm. Um, I'm type A, so I, <laughs> I wrote an email kind of explaining what's happening. And I sent it to kind of like, you know, my close group of girlfriends. Um, I think at a party once I had a couple of drinks and I told some people, <laughs> I don't recommend that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure one of the guys made jokes. And when I look back, I'm like, that was a terrible thing to say to someone. But anyway, that happened as well. Yeah. Um, you know, university, I had close friends and I mean, when you have friends who you can kind of tell have big battles in their own life, mm -hmm. you kind of sense, you know, there's some sort of connection. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those girlfriends knew, um, you know, the majority of my people of my life were close. They know. I would say one of the things is obviously a workplace. So 
nobody, I didn't tell anyone. Um, the only time I think I told someone who was work related, it was, it was actually, I think my boss's boss's boss. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was no, so I was having a hard moment and just like yeah. crying. And he was really nice though. Like he yeah. sat with me and like, I, you know, he was very, very, you know, graceful and helpful. So, you know, then it becomes into that, again, you're kind of living a double life. Right. Um, and, you know, if you had cancer or lupus, maybe lupus you'd keep to yourself. But if you had some sort of large health issue or challenge or disability, you'd probably tell people at work. Like, or they'd find yeah. out, you know, like, so, even now, like dating wise, I wait like, you know, a couple months to be like, okay, well, you know, this is also part of my life. Oh, uh, you wait a couple months? <laughs> Two to three months. <laughs> Ew. Are you saying that's long? Long? I, I, I hate it. I'm not willing to judge. <laughs> but see, the, here's the thing. I'm a different guy. I'm a guy that I asked my wife from we on our first date. I'm like, have you ever been to jail? <laughs> she thought it was a creative question and I'm like no I'm serious and then she said yes and I was like what <laughs> <laughs> said yes but it's because she went to visit somebody and said oh okay but I was like whoa so I had to check her ID I'm like is your real name Brianna <laughs> are you sure about this <laughs> you know but because it, some things end up being kind of like a sneak attack so I mean I can understand To cut you off. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, is, it, is it a setting? You can hear me, right? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. All right. I think it's this, it's this free and garage band. Whatever. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Found, blah, blah, blah. It just keeps it just keeps cutting off on me. Anyways, we're fine. Cool. Oh, what's this? Oh, put. Don't save. Okay, we're good. Um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I would assume that it's kind of like it just becomes like a surprise thing. But if you're willing to be honest with the person and and they're like, hey. You know, you can have a conversation, or even you have tidbits of a conversation to see how they feel about it. Yeah, you can kind of gauge it out and see how it plays in. But uh, you know what, yeah, like it depends on the guy too, right, or the person. Like if you have a fast connection, mm -hmm. you feel safe. Maybe tell them first month. I don't know, but for me, I think that's a very. It was not anymore, but it was a big part, private part. Okay. Right. So to let someone in on that. You know, you kind of have to earn that connection, I think. Yeah. For sure. Before, yeah. For sure, for sure. And dating is crazy now, let's be serious. Yeah. <laughs> you have a wife because it's not, it's very different from what we did 20 years ago. You know, I can imagine. Yeah. But, and you know, I tell anybody who's listening out there who understands something, guys, I love my wife to death. But marriage is not a cakewalk. Yes. It is not a cakewalk. I want everyone to pay attention to what I'm saying right now. Marriage is not a cakewalk. It's not easy at all because 
yeah. Yeah. We go through a we go through a number of things. Like we're talking chapter on chapter on chapter on chapter of stuff. And I'm like, why? I remember my dad saying to me, son, you will never, ever fully learn your wife. Never. Because you're always learning something new and you'll go, darn. There's always something new you have to learn as you go along. So it's it's wild. You know, and so I can understand. I can understand even just getting to the point of dating somebody. Whoa, like that's a whole different, uh, whole different ballgame from there. Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, even things like medication. Like mm-hmm. I, I take medication. That again, that's another topic. Yeah. Into, you know, I need to take it at a certain time and, and things like that. But you know, funny thing is, whenever I've told someone who majority people or guys, they'll say like, "Oh yeah, my aunt, like my cousin, like." my friend like they have someone who's has a mental illness right they're like oh yeah you know and i think now i mean shit <laughs> everyone everyone's struggling you know all the rates are going up so you know everyone's having mental health issues unfortunately everyone's having a person so i'll ask you this question um what was your first experience with a person that didn't understand or accept the fact that you have this circumstance i mean i know you mentioned your parents you mentioned your dad but like someone else outside of your family what was your experience like with that um i'll say with with okay i'll say i'll say a few scenarios sure Um, and and this is with people who know and like they're close to me (laughs) so if they hear this they hate they hear this but (laughs) you know i i find it's funny it's alcohol so yeah Alcohol mixing antidepressants not the best idea. Can you do it and not die? Yeah, but it's not necessarily the best idea. And if you're struggling, feeling off that day, is definitely not a good idea. Right. And, you know, with my girlfriends, I think in the beginning they kind of didn't get it. Sometimes when I'd be like, I can't. You know, I'm not. But I think you know, even like pregnant women when they're like, oh, you want to drink? Like just things like that. Like you, that awkward moment. Yeah. Um. And I, I found recently too, when I was dating someone, couldn't I don't think he understood or he couldn't take, I guess my break from alcohol. Like he, mm. you know, at first I didn't really tell, I didn't tell him about the mental illness. And yeah. you know, every time I came over, he's like wine. Even after I told him I, I needed a break. And then, and then I told him and then he still, <laughs> After I said, he still was like, "You're seriously not going to drink." So, I think, I think, because again, people don't talk about these kind of things. No yeah. one talks about medication, that's for sure. Like that's even worse. Um, so again, like you know, maybe that lack of understanding is why people push in situations like that. Like they think like you're being silly or something. Right, right. They don't really believe it a hundred percent. Yeah, or they don't understand it. Yeah, that's that's hard. That's hard. I mean, uh, I can't even say it's the same, but it's like I can understand how you feel when you're telling somebody something and they're like, ah, whatever, or they don't believe you. Um, often when I come home after spending a day talking to people all day yeah. and being in like a heightened mood, you want to come home, you just want to relax. And of course, my wife will come home and say, oh, are you upset? Are you mad? Did I do something wrong? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, relax. But she just wants to make sure that I'm okay, which I understand, you know? But if I tell her I'm fine, she doesn't believe me. So I'm like, okay, well then. And we go through the cycle often. 
often, often, often. So I can under, I can understand how if you've been in that situation repeatedly, you're like, here we go again. Another person doesn't believe that I have a challenge because because and often I want to think and correct me if I'm wrong is because they look at you and they go, here's this beautiful girl who is a she you know she has a degree in this and she's studying here and she's writing a book and blah. blah. She has depression? No way. Ah, she's talking. She's talking nonsense. Have this glass of wine. But they don't realize again. There's no face to these things like everybody out there has something that they're going through you know that's that's a really a hard thing so how have you found your efforts to bridge the gap been going so far like what have you been working on um i know that you do a couple of workshops and things like that like what's what's included in your workshop that people could expect if they are to um register for a workshop for example that you host um we're gonna get into that. I just want to comment on something you said. Sure, sure. sure. Uh, the point that I think is important is that people don't really, because they don't talk about it and all the stigma or whatnot, they don't really see depression as a illness or like equal to physical health. Right. When you say you have, you know, they think of it as no one, no one gives you that extra room to breathe. Nobody gives you that. Okay, she has this, so you know, you know, it's kind of change. You know, like no one's really has, I guess, empathy for it because we don't really treat it like an illness. Necessarily. You know what I mean? We don't accept it and treat it like an illness. If you know, I had diabetes, and I was like, guys, I, can, I have to eat at six. Yeah. Was, you know, but me saying I have depression, I can't go out late tonight, or I need to go home. It, it's still, you know, it's still not accepted. I think that's one of the biggest issues is we don't look at mental illness on on par with physical health. Right. Um, and what it does too is it, it's a bit of a mind F-U-C-K because, mm. you know, I know I'm sick, but the whole world doesn't treat me like I'm sick. And I right. can't tell necessarily everyone. Yeah. For me, in my head, it's still hard for me to understand and compromise that, um, comprehend, sorry, that I have an illness, even to this day. Yeah. Because you have all of that fighting against you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just so many things to be said. Do you ever feel like um, because people don't won't, won't believe you or they don't believe you, let's say you feel like just wearing sackcloth and undo have your hair undone and rolling around the ground and say, Oh, I'm so depressed to make it so dramatic so that they actually can believe, Whoa, she's really depressed. Like I, I feel like that's the only way people will really get it is if they see uh, something visual. Yeah. I think for my girlfriends, they would just pick up on like, they saw like the, not the ugly side, but they saw like, you know, very heavy reactions and emotions in me. Um, you know, even suicidal ideation, mm-hmm. uh, moments of just being triggered or, yeah. you know, some of them saw that. So, okay. you know, and you know, it's funny when a few years ago, one of my friends, she's really struggling mm-hmm. and she said, she's like, I don't, I don't think I was depressed, but I was definitely like in that zone. And she's like, I can't believe this is what your life is like. And I was like, yeah, that's what, that's how it's been. That's how it's been. So yeah. it was just interesting to hear her say that. And I think, again, also because I'm on the right medication right now and I've had so many years of treatment that I now understand how sick I was. 
Okay, gotcha. And also, I understand now why other people can't comprehend it. <clears throat> right. Um, so my viewpoint is very different and very kind of, I understand now kind of how those things happen. That uh, is, that is interesting. Um, so you, you did mention you're gonna to touch a bit, bit on your workshop, but I have one, one question before we get into that. Um, I know that you, we've, we were, when we were talking before, we had the, uh, the, um, the, the warm up to the, the interview. Um, we had spoken about the effects with depression, anxiety and stuff and mental health, health and wellness when it comes to black people versus other cultures. Um, where would you say is the greatest disparity when it comes to that? Is it more gender, like male versus female, or is it more like a you know culture race, or is it more age uh, disparity when it comes to, to understanding or accepting that? Um, I think it's culture, and what I'll also say to that is I'm a black woman, so <laughs> to me, I can't imagine what black men go through. Um, because that is another story. Like that is, you know, for me as a woman, it's already a struggle. So to be a man and to have all those pressures to raise a family and be there and be strong, no crying for you, um, you know, that, and then going to work and expecting, like there's just a lot there. And I think, I hope that conversation opens up more now, but you know, that, that's, that's really to another level. And one of the things I did want to touch on is about, I wrote a, um, a blog post called Dare West Indian Parents. Okay. And one of the things I focus on, a few things, is that, you know, you gave, you gave us this luxury to now address issues that you couldn't address. So maybe you, you probably did have, some of you guys probably did have depression. You probably did have anxiety. Probably didn't have to, you know issues with drinking. You guys just didn't have time to treat it because you guys were here hustling. Well, to me, I say thank you because you know you create the scenario as well, right? Like we now have the time, the luxury, the funds, the we know that Canada better than they do to actually you know take that moment to breathe and be like, okay, well maybe there's an issue and I need to address it. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> You said something else. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. It'll come to you. It'll come to you. Yeah, we can keep going. I was um. What? It's good actually that you 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 bring that point up because I think about it and I go, man, that does make a lot of sense. That a lot of uh, parents, our parents, probably had these things and they just never, like I said, they didn't know how to how to handle it. Like because they didn't have time or they just didn't know where to go. The resources weren't available to them or because no one really knew how to talk about that yeah. kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So language is very important. <laughs> so, you know, the way you talk about mental illness, the words you use, the definition, you know, I don't think they are really using that or, or normalizing that. There's right. a, I just thought of this recently in the last month, um, people use this for like, when I talk about culture or language, mostly language, they say that Inuit have like 10 words for the, for the, for ice, 
right? And they, they yeah. have so many words because it's their life, right? Like they use so much. And for us, we only have one word. My point there is that if you don't have the words, you can't address it. So if, if the black community isn't using the word mental illness or they don't think it's the actual thing, how are you going to talk about it and address it? Mm-hmm. Um, I think also, you know, this is everyone's talking about intergenerational trauma. Mm-hmm. And for me, I've been, you know, obviously I've been thinking about it too as well. For me, I look at it as, okay, everything happened in slavery, you know, horrendous things, you know, slaves were freed, but then, you know, all the hor- more horrible things kept happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I don't want to go deep into that, but right. you know, it wasn't a smooth transition because that makes sense. That why, why would it all of a sudden be like, black people are equal, we love you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had kids, and then their kids had kids, and their kids had kids. My point is, nobody, there was no trauma. There was no kind of, I think, space for, mm-hmm. you know, trauma discussion. I don't know. Like, the, how could that not pass through? Right. Like, it, it's so obvious. That's true. Very, very true. Man, so much to unpack when it comes to this type of topic. And once again, I appreciate you being here to discuss this afternoon, guys. Make sure that you grab Stephanie's book when it comes out in 2022, which is basically next year, which is basically a couple of months from now. It's called Hidden Life. uh, And it details um, her experience with depression, anxiety, OCD uh, in character form. I'm definitely going to be buying copies. And for sure, I'll probably buy some copies and and have them as part of a giveaway so that people have an opportunity to read uh, your experiences um, live and direct uh, in addition to listening to this podcast episode because this topic has definitely been one that we want to continue on to continue to further. Uh, We still have more to come with Stephanie, so please, please, please be aware of that. Um, Now, you did mention we talked about workshops yeah. What can you tell? Give us some more detail about how how your workshops work. What could be what's included in that? How can people get in contact with you in regards to doing a workshop? What's some details you want to share with us regarding that? Yeah, so um, we have to talk about fitness and mental health too. We haven't talked about that. It's true. It's we true. Yeah, we're, so, we're, we're getting on that. We got time. We got time. We got time. Um, yes. Yeah, so the workshop. So as I said, I was working a double life. So I'm seeing the programming being made, the mandate, community mental health, hospitals, et cetera. And I also was experiencing it. Um, and when you get mental illness or you're struggling with mental health, it isn't like you go to your doctor and the doctor's like, like, it's not the same scenario if you went and you're like, oh, I have a rash. And the doctor looks at it and he's like, okay, go to the pharmacy and get this cream. Right. That's not how it works. It's, it's not a very connected system. Mm-hmm. It's not something where you get like a prescription. These are things you need to do. And a lot of it is about advocating for yourself. A lot of it is you doing research and finding resources. Um, it's pretty much, you kind of, I think you're kind of left to your own devices to figure things out. And a lot of things I learned in the last 20 years, I learned by doing. And you know, I learned the hard way some things and in some ways, some things the easy way. And, you know, and that, that covers things like how to find a therapist that you actually like, you know, how to pay for therapy, right. how to handle it as a student, 
Um, why you should go to therapy, how to talk to your parents, how do, you know, mistakes you might be making in therapy. You know, there, there's just so much. Um, and again, I was lucky in the resources I had and, you know, as well, some of that I had to learn the hard way. So for me, I'm trying to fill that gap between, you know, you have a problem and you actually getting the proper right help. There, there's a giant gap there. That yeah, okay. And to be fair, I understand because everyone's getting used to talking about mental health. They are getting educated. But mm. for me, you know, then what? Um, we're, we're kind of at a emergency setting, in my opinion, in terms of mental health. So, you know, people don't, I think personally, we don't have the time for people to be like, oh, you know, I don't, I found therapy, so I don't really like them. So I never went back. Yeah. Or, you know, I really struggled in this semester, but I, I'm too scared to ask anyone for support. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to help you, you know, 20 years, I'm trying to help you with my 20 years experience. It doesn't take you 20 years to get to a great place. Um, so those are, that's what the, the workshops focus on. That is an excellent point. We don't want you to have to take 20 years <laughs> to figure it out. So there's a shortcut path to doing that. And Stephanie's providing that through her workshops and other workshops that are out there as well. If you're not able to make a workshop that she might be offering, um, I'm going to assume you do some, you do some in person, but you're going to be doing some online as well. Yeah, uh, I, I, I probably will focus on online. Okay. Um, and, you know, I, I do talk about things like workplace mental health, black mental health, as well as student in those kind of the core areas. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely imperative language, like information that people need to know. Right, right. Um, so mental health and fitness. Now, before we get into that, in fitness, sports related, when it comes to this, I want to get your opinion on this. So uh, a news, oh, you say a sports reporter, anyways, he made a comment last year about a quarterback for Dallas Cowboys. He, uh, the Dallas Cowboys quarterback actually admitted that he had anxiety and depression. He had broken his leg in a game. Um, in addition to that, he lost his brother to suicide. He had lost his mom. Uh, she died of a cancer beforehand. And then his, his brother committed suicide. So he was in a dark place at this point. Yeah. And the um, sports reporter, basically said he has no sympathy for him because he's like, listen, you're the quarterback of America's team. And once you show weakness and you put in a weak spot, it's going to put you in a vulnerable space. Why would you do that? Whatever, whatever. And people came at this guy and were like, bro, you can't say this guy's weak because he said like, what, what the heck? So people were actually trying to get him fired. He never got fired because that's how things go in the, in the world. Um, but like, how someone can actually say that to somebody or say that about somebody is like beyond me. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm pretty sure that if you have an experience like that, you would share it. But if you were a person on the outside observing this, like what would be your reaction to that? Yeah. So, I mean, I hate that reporter right off the bat. Like <laughs> I think that's a, he's a disgusting human being. I'm oh man. Um, like, and you saw that, we saw that. We saw that with a, uh, Naomi, we saw it with Simone. And, and for me, it's, it's, it's society and culture and how we, yeah. we talk about mental health. 
Yeah. It's it's this like equating you having mental health issues with you being weak. Right. You're being weak. Something's wrong. What are you doing wrong? Um, it's your fault. Right. And you know, I also think a lot can be said for acknowledging and saying saying things are hard. Like to me, that reporter should be focusing on you know that man had an enormous amount of tragedy in his life. But I'm saying like that's crazy, man. <laughs> of course, you you know you know of course he wants, and even the things that happened to Simone in her life, like you you read them and like you think any of us would have made that far? A lot of people would have, you know, folded their cards long ago. So for you to even say that about someone who, you know, made it that far and, and they're, you know, the best athletes in the world. Yeah. I mean, they obviously, they do have mental strength and, and power. They, they do. So for them to really struggle is, again, to me, another sign that, you know, mental health is a, is a huge part of our lives. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think there's just not enough of like acknowledgement of you went through a hard thing and that sucks and that's rough and we understand that. Yeah. Like, it makes you wonder, it makes you wonder though, how many people have actually had experiences like, like that, that just never speak on it because of that feeling of, well, it's going to make me seem weak. And I know that we were, we were talking about disparity and you're saying, you know, I can't imagine what it's like for, for black men, uh, men in general, but, but, but for black men for sure, um, what they must endure, have to experience. Because yeah. I can only imagine to have to face this type of like fear and emotion and stuff on a daily basis. Like I've had my moments for sure. I've had years of it. So I, I understand and I've come to understand more because I've had because I've had it happen to me. My thing is, the more I learn about it and understand other people's experiences, the more I can kind of go, okay, I'm well rounded and, and well versed in understanding how things work. Um, a friend of mine, actually, he does he does radio and he does podcasting as well. He went through a bit of a, a situation, and he came to me and he was like, "I know that these are things that you talk about. Like, what do you do?" You know, and I gave him some advice and just told him like, you know, things that I've done for myself and what things you can look towards and and, and for help and stuff. Um, because he just said, and it was more like towards like the middle beginning of COVID. He was saying, yeah, I just feel down. I feel like really, really, really down. You know, and normally I see this guy and he is like energy ball because he's like that for his show and stuff like that. But he just was on this level of like, and I remember seeing him and seeing other people that I know, friends of mine and stuff, and speaking to them and seeing them also be at that level of like, and them asking me, what do you do when you feel like this? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of hard to, to, it's not that it's hard to relay what you do, but of course, like for yourself, you probably have your own strategy, which we're going to talk about a little bit more in, in, a, in detail about your routine. You probably have a strategy as to how you go about these things. But like for a person who doesn't know what to do, what would be the first thing you would suggest that they do? Um, I will, firstly, I would ask them to practice some self-compassion if they can. Um, think about what their life, uh, so this is a major thing that I, I will talk about in my workshops is you need to remember the context of your life. Right. So, you know, say you, Say you, you were in a position this last year where you loved your job and it was great, 
but then it kind of fizzled out. Now you're feeling depressed. I think a lot of people will take out the element of COVID and the world being chaos. And then they'll say, well, it's my fault. Why aren't I happy? You know? So I think you always remember your context. You're yes, you have the job you love, but the world is falling to pieces. Yeah. You're gonna be. So you have to kind of, you know, admit to yourself that if, you know, you are struggling, give yourself that self-compassion. And then to answer other questions is difficult because it depends on who you are. Like, are you a student? Are you, you know, high school, university? Are you a you know, professional? Like there's so many factors that come into play. Um, but I guess a similar next step for, for anyone would be how to get help. And, you know, even friends I know who are struggling, I, I tell them, here's a list, call these people, like call some therapists, and break the ice and, and just go. And I know that that's easier said than done, but, you know, I, and I talk about this in my webinars about mm. how you should go and, and find a good, a good support. Right. Um, but, you know, and as a student, you have to look at your school resources. They have counseling offices. They're experiencing this. You know, if you're working, look into your EAP. Mm. You know, if you have a family doctor, ask your family doctor. Right. And again, it's hard because our system works in this weird, fragmented system for health, mm. for mental health, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would say don't be afraid to disclose to someone that you feel is a safe space to do so. Right. Um, and I also recommend for people to do something before you get to that point. So if you're feeling a little stressed or you know, you're concerned about your mental health, meet go find a therapist, meet them once, you know, tell them you know your situation. Well, you know, I live at home now, my you know daughter's back from school she's living with us you know mm. my gosh, at least so that person knows you yeah and then you have that person that you could go to when you're really struggling, really struggling. Mm. yeah right like it's just like everyone has a gp we'll look yeah. for a GP. i have my one doctor that i've seen for years um so yeah i would say be self have and i would also say um I, I've never had anyone I've told to react negatively. Okay. Anyone, anyone I've told, you know, no one's ever been like, you know, you're, you're terrible, go away. Like, I think we, we underestimate how compassionate other people are. Right. Um, so, you know, and that's, that's part of the problem. Like, we, we need to make everyone comfortable about talking about this. Yeah. Um, because the stakes are high. They are very much so. They're very high right now. Very much so, very much so. All right, so discussing the topic of fitness, now, <laughs> we chatted a bit before you said, man, I have experiences. <laughs> Give us a little bit about your experience and how you connect the two together, fitness and mental, mental wellness. Yeah, so <laughs> I will begin by saying it. It is like the one thing I've, you know, with my mental health and it's just a person in general, mm -hmm. um, I've never been able to master. Okay. And I, I know it helps your mental health. You know, I know what doctors recommend, but it's the one thing that I could not sustain and do 
consistently to help me. You didn't you didn't run track in school? Okay, so <laughs> but when I got this is when I'll tell you kind of that transition. So in high school, <laughs> I played basketball um, and I ran track. Okay, you did. Because I remember in Nike, I'm like, she did run track. I swear. Yeah. So this is the beginning of the saga. Ah, okay. So, you know, I was in grade 11, started grade <laughs> 11, and our family rule was no sports by grade 11, 12 OAC. And that was something my father enforced. Um, I was supposed to focus on grades. You're not going to be, a, you know, WNBA star. <laughs> you don't have time to be running circles. <laughs> That's not happening. So I quit. And you know, God bless my dad. He <laughs> again, like I understand where he's coming from, but I also <laughs> understand. Well, other things were happening in my life. There were other. Right. Things. Right. Right. But uh, that was the year I started getting sick. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So for me, you know, there's still this kind of, not what if, but I do not, that's causation. I, there's no correlation. That's partly causation, I think. Because I think if I was still having that exercise, maybe it would have countered it a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, so I wouldn't have been as bad as I was. And I took that mentality to university. So it's like third or fourth year, my roommate and or my housemate and some of our mutual friends, they were starting a, um, a rec basketball team. Okay. And they came to me and they're like, oh, you know, you play ball in high school or whatever. Like, you're tall. Come play on our team. <laughs> and I was like, what? It's like, no, I don't have time for rec ball. I need to, like, I need to write my thesis and get A's. And, like, I, like their, I like their prerequisites. You're tall and you played before because you're tall. <laughs> Let's be serious. Let's be serious. They small, oh, tall, long arms, black. They're probably, like, mm, she's probably good at basketball. <laughs> <laughs> but, she's like, she can jump because she's got it. I mean, I was, I was, I was half decent, so okay. it wasn't a terrible, you know, conclusion for them. But anyways, <laughs> I was, I was a hard no. Yeah. Like, and again, looking back, I should have said yes. I should have put my physical health a little higher, my priorities. Mm -hmm. Even the break from school and like having that breathing and, and connecting with your peers and just all of that. Yeah. And the joke is, the hot joke is, I struggled to maintain gym and exercise in university. Like, even after that and before that. So I don't know where I was going with hard note. Like, <sighs> again, I struggled, like, mastering, you know, consistency. Yeah. Wowzers. <laughs> I will say, though, that I, I did play rec ball as an adult. And it was like 25 to 30. It was really fun. And it was a great outlet. That was good. That's good. Things are always different in hindsight. It's true. It's true. Parents, it's funny. We go back to parents telling you, you don't have time to run in circles. I mean, like, come on, man. You know, <laughs> you know? Maybe, maybe. I might have not said that exactly, but it was still a hard but the, but the But the, the idea is there. You know, it's funny because I remember I we just played sports. My sisters and I. You know, we played, I played basketball, ran track, 
Uh, I played football for a little bit, but it wasn't anything like major. I think I was on a soccer team one time and I, I was terrible. But at the same time, my parents, I played volleyball and stuff. They were encouragers of activity, yeah. right? But I can understand why some parents are like, no, you need to not, you can't focus on that right now. Yeah. And because they see your potential and they want you to focus on that because they know that opportunities for people to excel to get to certain points, they come very few far in between sometimes. Um, not all the time, but sometimes. And so they don't want you to be that that part of that crowd who goes, oh yeah, the person went and wasted their time, whatever. Because we all know people who they did well, excelled in sports, didn't do that well in school. Then when sports was over, they had nothing really to go back towards. Yeah. And because they didn't focus on school, now they're like, what are they doing? You know, and no one ever, no parent, I guess, ever wants to see their child be in that position. So I totally, totally, totally understand. But at the same time, when you are active as a young person in high school and stuff in elementary school, it teaches you camaraderie, it teaches you teamwork, it teaches you a lot of things that you won't necessarily get being like sitting down and doing work. You know, you have to have a balance of the two. But I'm not a parent, so what can I say? Because maybe, just maybe, my idea would be that. My wife could say no, and it's like, all right, well, then, whatever. So, and plus, there a lot of things I just did in secret. I was like, I joined this team. Where'd you, how come you took so long to come home? Oh, I had a game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you had a game. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's a game. But it's, it's, uh, it, it taught me a lot, being, yeah. being in sports and stuff. And it definitely did help me mentally to have a sort of like strength and fortitude when it came to, you being under pressure and stuff like that. But the pressure sometimes goes to another level that uh, sports and things, they can't, they can't stop. Um, and I believe that that's where a lot of people, even athletes now are at where they've been able to overcome like this and that and that and dodging all these bullets. And then that one bullet hits them in the shoulder and they go, whoa. And it just, it just, it's a chink in their armor. That's like, what? I actually got bruised here. And now they don't know what to do because it just puts them in a different frame of mind. And so many more people are coming out and talking about this. So, um, again, if I didn't say, I have said it before, but I'll say it again. I appreciate you even just being open and forthcoming to be able to reveal these things and make it funny too, because people need to understand, like, it's not easy at all. Yeah. So I, I did want to say, like, my memories from track and field and basketball were are, like, in my life like you just the jokes the like going away the coaches like we had so much fun yeah yeah, and, yeah for sure you know and then you take that away and i think you need more than marks you need more than grades you need more grades you do <laughs> you, you need exercise throughout your entire life like I, I do want to also say that this is my family I don't, yeah. you know what i mean like i don't know whether i'm not talking for all black families for sure for sure things i'm sure are similar right Right. Uh, mental illnesses for white people, but you know, everyone's different. I knew black women who killed it in sports, you know, got scholarships and went to, you know, amazing schools in the States. Um, but I think also you have to know your children, like, yeah, can they really pull that off? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I do think for my dad too, he saw all, he saw what you mentioned. He's seen like people do sports and then their sports fall through. And then what are they doing? Yeah. Or, you know, they got into the school School's like, we love you, you're playing ball. And then, you're, so you're not really looking at your marks. And yeah. then you lag, and then the school's like, sorry, 
And, you know, what do you do next? What do you know? That's true. I really understand his, you know, cautionary decision. And again, I think that you coming to Canada for a better life for your kids, you're not going to mess around. Yeah. No, it's, it's true. When you have that mentality, you gotta, you gotta come with it. And I don't know, I guess, like you said, every family is different. I remember my parents being very, very adamant about me not talking to girls. They're like, (laughs) no, (laughs) you know, it was very, very, very. So when I met my, when I met my wife, when we were, when we were dating, it was like, okay, well he's finished school and you know, he has a job. So it wasn't, it, whereas if I met her when I was in high school, they might've been like, ah, no, 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 no. But turn that off, you know? So it's, it's like you said, every family has their like, yeah. their experience of things. So I get it. I get it. But uh, we, we all have our experiences for sure. Um, so this month, if you don't know already, is World Suicide Prevention Day. Actually, you know, September 10th is World Suicide Prevention Day, where everyone's coming together in 50 countries to celebrate the theme of creating hope through action. So I have to ask you this personal question. Yeah. Has suicide been something that you yourself have battled or contemplated at some point in time? So, yes. Hmm. Um, I pretty much have had suicidal ideation for the last like 18 years. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, wow. I never went so far as in like, I was thinking about that this morning. Um, and I'm just thinking about recently. Again, because I'm in a different place. I'm looking back. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh. So, I mean, I unfortunately never had any issues in terms of trying, like going that far. Yeah. Um, you know, usually they ask you if you you have a therapist or doctor, are you having thoughts? Are you a plan? You know, they kind of have this system to make sure. Um, funny enough, I asked my one of my therapists this recently. I'm like, "What do you do if your client just disappears?" Oh. And, you know, and she's like, "Usually, you could tell leading up." There's mm. like, if the last two sessions are not, then they kind of. I always wonder that. What do you like? Do they contact you and your family? No. Like, I was really curious, but um, yeah, it's always something I've struggled with. Yeah. Again, it's something people don't understand because you, right. you, how do you? That's very hard to comprehend. It is. And sure. um, I think, again, it's, it, it's people see it as a weakness. Because it, yeah. it's like the ultimate you giving up is the ultimate. It's ultimate. It's true. And, it's true. you know, that's who wants to talk about that. And I think, you know, it's funny because it wasn't until I think on my year off, I was with my dad, we were, we were on vacation. And he said to me, he's like, you telling talking about killing yourself, that's not normal. And I, just kind of was thrown. I, I I don't know what I thought, but I can't, there was this moment of like, yeah, that's not normal. Like I just hadn't processed it, I guess. Or maybe I was so deep in it. Yeah. I didn't understand that that wasn't normal. Right. So it was like, it was like a way of life for you kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it was fresh too. I was probably still like 17, 18 at that point. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Do you know of anybody who has committed suicide or, or themselves have attempted as well? No, no. I, I've heard like stories from friends of a friend, but okay. um, no one I know directly. Okay. I went to school with one, two, I want to say two, two I know for sure. There might've been more, 
But two, I know for sure who have committed suicide. Uh, that was the first, the first person that I knew of that happening to was a, a girl in my class, her sister. And um, she found her in her closet. And I said, man, I remember the teacher talked to all of us and said, listen, when she comes back to school, nobody say anything regarding that, you know, because then it was still kind of like a don't talk about it. But of course, everyone was kind of like, what do you say? You know, so I think I remember saying to her, I'm really sorry to hear, like, if you want to talk, you know, and it's like, what do you talk about? Yeah. Because right? she didn't know what to say either. Yeah. But it's like, it's, she just came and you could tell she just wasn't, she was a quiet person and she got quieter. Yeah. Said, and then there was another incidence of uh, another guy who went to school. I wasn't friends, I wasn't friends with him, but I, I knew of him in the hallways and stuff, whatever. And uh, he jumped off a balcony. And he apparently was like, his life was going in the right direction and he was making changes and stuff. But they say that, well, I've heard that that feeling, like when the opportunity comes and it's taken, it's, you, you, can't, you can't stop it. It's not like, you know, you're driving in your car and you figure, well, I can drive into a guardrail and maybe you'll survive. Like, if there's a bridge opening and you jump off that bridge, yeah. there's no coming back, you know? Actually, so I am, I, actually, I do know another person. Another girl, I, a good friend of mine I went to school with, her sister committed suicide and killed her and her son. And that was probably this. Sorry, a a friend in high school is her sister, and then her, her sister, her sister, and her uh, her sister killed her, herself and her son. Uh, she yeah, I remember when that happened. I was like, because it because it's different when it's somebody that you know. Yeah. Maybe someone in your class, you're like, okay, they're they're not really they may not be really your friend, but you're cool with them, you know. Then it's like your it's your friend. Yeah, that takes another level of like wow you know and i've never asked her since like if she ever thinks about stuff but you can tell that people get sensitive to things yeah and you can't joke about those things and like uh, the fact that people still make jokes about these things uh, to me is crazy and i get it that you a person will think well you know you have there's humor and everything you have to kind of laugh things off I'm like it's kind of hard to laugh off yeah my sister jumped off a bridge yeah. <laughs> And uh, kill myself, kill herself, and my and her son. Like, you can't make a joke about that. No. If a, if a comedian, if a comedian started their set with, "So my sister jumped off a bridge," <laughs> I don't know if I would laugh out of like shock or like yeah awkwardness. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. But so many things happen to people today yeah. that you don't. It's almost as though if you don't laugh you'll cry like they say if you don't laugh you'll cry yeah oh yeah and i think humor is a huge outlet and i think for black people especially yes humor is like you know a huge coping mechanism yeah but um yeah i mean suicide's like a whole other ball game in terms of right. talking about it in terms of stigma in terms of normalizing talking about it yeah um you know i've heard stories about people not committing, but you know, trying. In, in, yeah, or you know, I've I've heard stories, and 
I can't imagine that the rate hasn't gone up. Like, I oh, think I where it hasn't. I, it has. I can't. I can't process that it didn't go up. I just don't think that's possible. But I think it. I think it has. It hasn't. You don't think so? No, I think I read somewhere that it that it, it hadn't oh, gone up, but I can't imagine that um, it hasn't increased. And then I think, you know, also we have some long ass ramifications that are going to happen. Oh boy. So you know, and I'm not saying, you know, I'm saying to this just to, you know, have the conversation going. You know, For sure. It will become an issue. And I think, you know, and also things like suicidal ideation or major, major depression. Um, I think all those rates are going up for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was listening to a podcast today. I think it's called the pulse. And they're just talking about actually the increase in mental illness in black children. Um, and how, you know, they're, they're much more at risk before. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, they're, they're, in general, they're seeing a lot of new faces and a lot of people who never had issues before. Yeah, it's a big, uh, it's it's a big deal. It just makes you sad to know that um, still to get help is is a challenge. A yeah. because of the person's own feelings could be ego, uh, yeah. and it could also be economic. It's like man. Like financially, why yeah. is that? How should that? Why is that a, a thing? Like, why should getting should help, help? Yeah, yeah. Be yeah. costly, you know. Like, I, I know of persons who I've spoken to, you know, friends of mine, and I said, mm -hmm. "Have you ever seen somebody?" And they said, "No, I don't have the money for that." They're like, "I don't have the money for that." And I'm like, "I wish I could raise a fund for you to just go here. I'm gonna give you the money to go do it because, to me." It works in line with it works in line with fitness. Like I'm a person, not just because I'm a trainer, but I take when it comes to health and wellness. Ask me to buy clothing that costs me, you know, two three hundred dollars. I'll say nah. Ask me to pay for something that's going to help benefit my health mm. short term into the long term. That's going to cost me the same amount of money. Trust me, I put my money on that. I'll put my money into groceries quality groceries to make sure that I'm eating well. I'll make sure I buy the right vitamins and I'll make sure I buy the right, you know, lighting so that I don't have blue light at night and blah, blah, blah. Like all these things I would do because I'm like, at the end of the day, all you have is your machine, your brain and your, and your body. Yeah. Everything else is secondary, right? Yeah. So to know that my brain that needs, need help is, might need help as well, it requires me to have to pay money. I'm going to find money to do it. Yeah. I like, I agree, but at the same time, because because there's there's that view that you should this is you're causing this. Like it, you're depressed, uh, you must you're weak. You must be doing something wrong. Right. Or stigma, they don't want to talk to anyone. Right. And right. you know, for me, I emphasize in my workshops, you know, EAP, EAP, University College, you know, um counseling services, they're all very much so anonymous. Like it's it's confidential and i don't think people i think people doubt it just still kind of like is it but it is and that's why i talk about my own experience um and the fact that it it, it won't it won't uh, overlap into your academics or real or whatever you want to call it at all and i will say that therapy is very expensive it is <laughs> and meditation very expensive when i when i didn't have benefits to cover it you know i 
it was, yeah, it was, it'll, your wallet will take a beating. Um, and again, that's what I talked to about my workshop because there are different avenues that people just don't know about. There are things like sliding scales. There are things like research studies you can participate for free. I got a lot, of, I got some freeness. We <laughs> <laughs> talk about that. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it, I mean, that's one of, I think, the major complaints of the system is that therapy is expensive and expensive. It's, not, it's not accessible. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even again, when you leave university, then what? What if you're in a year between transition and you're not working? Um, one thing I do want to touch on mm -hmm. is things like emergency phone numbers, like phone lines. Sure. I think it's such an easy kind of private thing you could do. Like, I feel like it's a bare minimum. Like, like the smallest thing you could do that maybe you can handle is calling those lines. Right. And maybe you could do it on a walk. Maybe you could do it while you're, you know, in your bedroom. At least doing that because that costs zero dollars. Right. right. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, yeah, it, it can get expensive, which is, you know, unfortunate. Um, and it also makes me think of those who are low income. Like, if it's expensive for you and I, can you yeah. imagine? Very true. Very true. Yeah. Even recently, like a couple years ago, I was struggling and I wanted to do having a bad bout of issues, of issues. And I wanted to do this mindfulness CBT course, but it was like a thousand dollars. I didn't have that. So I was like, you know, I, I asked my dad, I'm like, dad, can you, you know, throw in some money? This is really expensive. And you know, yes, I know I'm a grown ass woman. But I still ask. <laughs> this is a lot of money. I just need some mental support. So, you know, frig, like, it's expensive. It is. Yeah, it is. And I think that's one what unfortunate thing, even just to, to piggyback off of that, which I've seen in other industries, for example, mm -hmm. uh, persons who decided to go meatless or vegan, okay? Mm -hmm. You see now a lot of companies going, oh, I'm going to have more meatless products, boom. And they jump on this wave. Yeah. And the wave, which for some people, they could be doing it for specific health reasons or, you know, wellness reasons when it comes to just like morality issues and stuff like that. They make those choices. But people will jump on that. Companies will jump on that stuff and they'll say, boom, we need to make some money. We're going to get our bang for our buck and we're going to start pulling out all the stuff to make sure vegans are taken care of as well. And now all these streamlined products are coming out to just flood the market so that money can be made. I yeah. feel like the same thing will happen with this is that people continue to recognize that this is an issue, right? There's no, there, there's, there's no coincidence or it's not a coincidence that companies are losing employees by the handful. Yeah. because of things like this not being touched on. That yeah. they've had commercials, they've had promotions, they've had you know f hotlines and this and this and foundations and whatever, and workshops. All these things that they're, starting, they're promoting because they realize it's a big of an issue. And even though in our discussion we realize it's still not something that's been tapped into that well, yeah. just recognizing that there's an expense to this. I could see companies going, oh, and they're going to jump into it not for the sake of helping, but for the sake of benefiting their pocket. And that's what I think is not fair, is that you have people who really need help or who people who really want to help and they might charge X amount of dollars. And because another company comes and they charge something and their experience ends up being kind of a crappy one, 
because the people who are part of it are not really trying to help you. They're just trying to make money. It then runs a bad experience for people and people who really need the help, they go, I don't want to get the help because these people don't want to help me. And here you are going, no, I really want to help you out. And they don't get the help that they need. And that's what I think will create a spike of like anxiety, depression, suicide to start going back up again because of that. I see it actually in fitness. Unfortunately, there are good trainers, there are great trainers, and then there are trainers. Mm. And the trainers are the ones that are like, I'm trying to get this money, I'm trying to get this bag and get paid. So I'm going to throw you three exercises to do. I'm going to text on my phone, I'm going to take a picture and take a video on Instagram while I see watching you work out Mm. and not really help you to benefit from this program. And then you have good trainers who understand what they need to do, building their business, building their brand, and they take the time to kind of fine tune things in order to be great trainers who have the experience, who are able to charge you $70, $80, $100 an hour. But because these trainers out here are charging $15, $20, $30 an hour, now the market is skewed. And now you have people going, well, I'm going to go to that trainer because they're more affordable. But just because they're more affordable doesn't mean that they're good. I, are you saying that in terms of the mental health supports in general, or do you mean like employers? Uh, well, I mean, as in, I mean, as in like support, I mean, I think that there, I think that there are a lot of people, I think the, I think where we are as far as like the support that people can get now mm-hmm. is the actual real pool of people Yeah, that yeah. want to help. I feel like if it becomes not that it becomes a trend, but you know how people can take things and make it to a trend just like this. Yeah, yeah. I think if it turns into that, you're going to see it's going to change. Yeah, I mean. And it sucks, man, because the real pool of people who really want to help you end up kind of getting lost in the mix because now you have the outside that's coming in to go, do this. And it's yeah. like. Yeah. Yeah, the, the the market, mental health market is flooded. Yeah. Um, and you're seeing just. A lot is happening, but I, I don't, for me, I think most of the people who do psychotherapy, they are part of a professional association. Okay. So if they move, if they make some weird, bad movements, um, they have someone to answer to. Right. So, you know, that's important to consider. Um, you know, for me, I, it makes me think of employers because they're doing something like, okay, guys, we're going to do, we're going to celebrate suicide month or like awareness month. Let's do something. Let's do a lunch. Or let me send you a newsletter for one day. And then what? You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. a lot of like lip service. Yeah. And there's a lot of just me personally and <laughs> asking me to myself. What yeah. like and then what? What else? What yeah, happens? Exactly. And you know, it I worry and I worry about this with black issues too, that it's just gonna you know, it's a hot topic. I don't think mm-hmm. it will ever go away because I think the cat's out of the bag. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. I'm hearing people like are quitting their jobs because they're like, this isn't, I can't handle this. Like, goodbye. Yeah. Um, but I do think it'll take time. Like it'll take time for the work culture and what's accepted and what people are able to do. It's going to take yeah. years and yeah. Yeah. unfortunate, but it's true.